Hello, 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 everyone. Welcome back to Money Awakenings, where we awaken the money within. Wait, no, that's not right. <laughs> Kidding. Hello, all right. My name is Larry Morrison. I am the financial shaman. I am your guide through the illusion that is scarcity, that is conditional love, that is darkness, that is cold, unfeeling, metal. I, well, I'm me, and you're you. And on these podcasts, what I like to do is go for a walk and have you pretend that you're there with me and I'm doing all of the talking, which is obviously not typical um, of an interaction with me, but on this one, I can't hear what you have to say, so I have to imagine it. We are going to go right back into some hard truths that your ego might not be able to handle or might not like me saying. We have been gearing toward the spiritual entrepreneur this year. I've been trying to custom tailor my podcasts and my content and all that stuff to helping the young, not necessarily young, newer, or even, you know, not necessarily newer, but... Maybe a spiritual entrepreneur who's um, been at it a while and, you know, having a little trouble getting uh, past a few things. So um, that's always the guy, not always, but that's the guy's uh, intent that I have right now. And I think that's enough preamble. Let's just get right into it. This is part two of what no one told me when I first started. Ah, so to recap from last time, there's nothing at the top of the mountain, so you better love what you're doing. You're never going to be happier when you get there. That's the first one. It's not a, your success is not bring happiness. It never does. And yet, we can't, a lot of these things that I'm talking about, we don't want to admit to ourselves. And to be fair, I didn't want to admit it to myself for a while either. You know, when I ran into a lot of these issues and problems, and I'm like, I don't, because it, it's not necessarily you, it's your ego doesn't want to see what I'm showing you, because then it'll lose control, right? Here's a simple one, very, very basic limiting belief. If I'm not fixing something that's wrong with the world, or if I don't, if I'm content with how things are, nothing will ever change in my life. I am sure to the level that I can be sure that you on some level have that belief system because most people do. You may not, but I'm pretty sure you might to think, well, I have to be motivated to do something, right? I can't, if I'm just content, I'm just going to sit here on the couch and eat bonbons all day. Nothing wrong with bonbons or sitting on the couch. But my point is I'm not going to do anything if I'm content, that's a lie of the ego. Very clever one, too. Because what you're talking about is justifying non-acceptance. As, oh, there's something wrong with me or the world, so I need to go fix it. And if I think that there's nothing wrong, I'll just do nothing. That's a lie. Because the reality is a paradox that's much more complex And what you're being fed is a simple untruth. 
that keeps everybody chasing something that they already have. Everybody's chasing approval when they already have the approval of their creator, which is the only approval you ever need. What is that of you or your creator, right? So, the paradox is, if you want something to change, you have to fully accept it never will. Because only when you fully accept it can you begin to love it. And only when you love it can you learn the lessons that it needs to teach you. You need to be here now before you can get to tomorrow. Essentially. So the idea that if I'm, ne- if I'm content I won't do anything is a way that your ego is hitting you with the carrot. Or hitting you with the stick. Get off your ass. You can't just be content. Because then you'll be a lazy piece of shit. These are the kind of things that hinder growth, evolution, and will hinder, yes, money from coming to you, abundance. It will hinder the love you have for yourself because you'll, if you think there's something wrong with the world, guess what? You think there's something wrong with you too. How could you not? It's the lens through which you see things. So of course you're going to look in the mirror and see that. I mean, if you're, if you're a spiritual entrepreneur, or if you're an entrepreneur at all, you're trying to create something. You're trying to fix a problem. But look at it like this. If nothing is wrong, it means there's no need to fix anything. The only reason to create anything would be because you were excited to. And that's the shift that needs to be made. Nothing needs to be fixed. You don't need to be fixed. You're perfect just the way you are. Just this source make, made you. To think otherwise would mean the source made a mistake, which doesn't happen. God doesn't make mistakes. Only a hubris of an ego could think that. But because it's paradoxical in nature, the, you have a lot of people have trouble with it. The paradox here is nothing is wrong with anything, period. And there are things that need to evolve. Both exist simultaneously. We can look at it like you. You are perfect just the way Source made you and there are places you need to evolve. That is a much different energy to create from than I'm not good enough, I need to change. I'm not good enough, I need to change says God made a mistake and there's something wrong with me and I need to fix myself. By contrast, I'm perfect just the way I am. Everything led to this moment, nothing is out of place and there are places I want to evolve in my life. Right? I want to become a better bowler, better snowboarder, better speaker, better author, if I can. Right? I want to create. 
some magic from things that are coming through me exciting, not trying to fix a problem necessarily, but just places I see that may need evolution that I can help. That's much different than, oh my God, I got to get this done right now, otherwise the world's going to end. Oh. And these are just the subtle little things that will change the, your journey so much. I'd like to pick up where we left off on the last one, which is you are not alone. I think the higher perception or the highest perception of doing business as an entrepreneur is you are as alone as you want to be. You are as alone as you want to be. You could say that same thing with life. You're as alone as you want to be. If you don't want to be alone, there's nothing stopping you to, to, from going where people gather and start starting talking and having conversations. Right? Ideally doing something that you love so that you share a common interest. If you're super into D&D, I, I was in a game shop looking for new games and puzzles. Um for me and my friends and soulmate. And I saw the back room, there was people playing D&D or Magic the Gathering or whatever. And like they're communicating with people who like their same interests, right? No, no big deal. It's awesome. They're as, lo they're as alone as you want to be. Like if you like whatever, snowboarding from, I, I just got off the mountain recently and I'm, you know, chatting up with people on the lift, chatting up with people in the um, snack bar, you know, area, the cabin, the lo lodge or whatever at the, the base of the ski lifts. We share a common interest. It's an easy conversation starter. Right? It's the same thing in entrepreneurship. You're as alone as you want to be. Now, you may say to yourself, well, I'm not in that place where I can hire anybody. You know, as an employee or, you know, maybe you don't want to take on a partner or what have you. And that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But just recognize that it's not always going to be that way. You're going to have to delegate some things. Which means you're going to have to bring people on and show them what you're doing. And right there is where a lot of people get hung up. They get so worried about people stealing your secret sauce. That they're afraid to bring people in. And yes, there's NDAs and to the, you know, you can have people sign a non-disclosure agreement or non-compete agreement if you'd like. It might be smart too if you have some kind of emerging technology. But also realize that that's scarcity. If you're afraid that someone's going to steal your secret sauce, what does that mean? Underneath that belief means do you believe this is a hostile universe? You believe what is coming through you, your secret sauce is yours to keep, that it's you created it and it didn't come through you from source. Right? You're attached to it being yours. You own it. I'm not saying you don't. I'm just saying look at that. 
Would you rather, like let's say you just invented a cure for cancer, would you rather it be out there or would you rather you be the one that gets all the fame and money and credit? It's a simple question. No right or wrong answer. So most people are afraid to bring people into their business because they're afraid to share their secret sauce because they're afraid they're going to get stolen. So that's a hostile universe. They're afraid um, that they're not going to get the money and the credit for it because it's theirs. And lastly, you're afraid to bring people in because you're afraid they're going to break your heart. Isn't that the reason you're afraid to bring anybody in? They're going to get to know you and then they're going to reject you. That once people know your skeletons in your closet, the demons in your past, that they're going to reject you and break your heart. And so you might as well not even bring people in. I'll do it all alone. Newsflash, no one gets anywhere doing it all alone. Who's the most successful person you know? And of course, success is obviously subjective, but just for ease of in this example, or hypothetical, right? Who's the most successful person you know? Did they do it all alone? Who's the richest person you know? Did they do it all alone? No. Business is people. No one does anything alone. You can't even feed yourself alone. You know how, you know how few people are um, homesteaders? You know how few people rely on no one else? And even people who are homesteaders, you typically, I mean sometimes... Very rarely, though, are born that way. Usually it's like, oh, I'm going to go be a homesteader, so you're going to go buy land, you're going to go rent machinery, you're going to do all this stuff, build this place. You know, you're, even if you built a chicken coop and got chickens or whatever, you had to get the lumber from somewhere. Like, it, we need each other. That's it. Remember that old paradox there. You need, you need people, but the need for people will drive you insane. It's a constant balance, a back and forth. We need each other. Just don't be needy about it. You're going to have to be self-reliant. You're going to have to do a lot of this stuff on your own. It's just like the spiritual journey. You're going to have to do a lot of heavy lifting on your own because it's your baggage. It's your trauma. It's your perception that's being corrupted by your ego. So the number one person to battle that is you. And no one can do it for you. It's the same as saying, I'm going to work your body out for you. <laughs> I mean, there are some ways in which to do that, but I can't, I can't exercise for you. You have to do the heavy lifting. But that doesn't mean you have to do it alone. Aloneness is important, but you don't have to do it all alone. You have people hold space, ideally have 
a friend or a partner or a community of people going through similar stuff. I had several, every bit of success I've ever had was, I had so many people who helped. So many people, mentors and business partners and referral partners and obviously tons of help from clients, people who trusted me with their money or their soul, as it were, or their abundance vibration or whatever. People who traded my service for their money or traded services or what have you. Like, you're just not going to do it alone. So you are as alone as you want to be in this endeavor. And yes, like I said, there are going to be so much times where you're going to have to do a lot of it yourself. But you always have to be aware of when you're doing it alone when you don't have to. Even just listening to me can make you feel like you're not alone, which you're not. I've been been in this game for 20 fucking years, entrepreneurship. I mean, you know, you could say when I was a teenager I had my own businesses and stuff, but... I mean, when you're, before you're 18, you're, you're really not in business for yourself because you can't even open, you can't do anything, right? Bank accounts and stuff like that. I've been in this game a long time. No one does it alone. In the spiritual world, You don't need a guru. All you need is your heart. But it is important to have people that can hold space for you. When you run into a low perception of a situation or a low perception of yourself that blocks you and blocks your wealth and blocks your unconditional love for this game, you need someone to, hey, point it out. Like, I'm having this, I'm having this challenge. And they go, oh, I, just like I do every day. People come to me with their challenges, right? And all I do is share my perception and try to raise their perception. And that's all I really do, because that's all there is, is perception. Well, all there is is unconditional love, and all the ways in which we can perceive unconditional love, but still. So you're as alone as you want to be. And if you hear that and you're like, I don't like being alone, awesome. Sit with that for a little bit. You know you're going to have to be with yourself. That's a lack of self-love. I don't like being alone means you're scared of what your ego is saying. In the silence. You can't hear your heart. You don't love yourself. Or nature. Or anything that makes you connect to your aloneness. If you, per, if you could connect to source. Or to your heart. Or to nature. 
and be out in it? Would you be worried about, you know, being scared to be alone? No. Or what your ego said? No. Because when you love yourself, it makes it so much easier to connect with other hearts. I'm so worried all the time about judgment. Because you're judging yourself less. If you accept yourself and the way things are, you'll have more, you're more apt to accept people the way they are. And that's when you can really unconditionally love. You cannot love anything before you accept it. Unconditionally, really. You can't unconditionally love anything before you accept it. You can conditionally love something, right? Like, I can say I conditionally love our government if they do what I want them to do. Or what I think is progress. If they don't, I hate them, right? I can conditionally love things I don't accept. I can't unconditionally love things I don't accept. Radical acceptance is the way to peace, right? Accept that you're going to have to love yourself to get anywhere in this world. And you're going to have to get to loving some people. And people come and people go exactly right on time. Let them go if they go. And let, they, and let them come when it's time for them to come. When the student is ready, the master will appear. But no one tells you what, ready for what. Not ready for the master. Ready to love themselves enough to let someone in. But we should update and evolve that phrase. When the student is ready to let people in, the master will appear. I've had my business model copied and stolen multiple times. But it doesn't stop me from letting people in. Because if, uh, they're talking about, well, let's just keep it simple. <laughs> let's just keep it simple. My latest last business that I'm selling currently, almost, almost, more than 50% of the people who've worked with me or for me have stolen it. Have stolen, tried to steal my clientele, stolen the business model I created, stolen the information, stolen my secret sauce. And every time I just keep going. Because you, you, there's no competition. There's only one Larry Morris. <laughs> There's only one me. And if people think that they can take what I've created and run with it and make money for themselves and help other people, great. If they have that kind of integrity. But typically when you steal something to start a business, it's never going to be born out of integrity. And it's probably doomed from the start. Which is another reason why I really don't care what people steal from me. I'm like, you're pretty much dooming yourself from the get-go.
And it's kind of, you know, it's kind of a, a form of flattery, really. And if you're doing something that helps the world, going back to my original point, who cares if it gets stolen? If someone steals my process for healing trauma, which you can't because I'm going to open source it, but if someone did steal my process for healing trauma, what's the worst that could happen? They take it, they heal somebody else's trauma that I didn't have to do? Amazing! Now the world's slightly better. And I didn't have to do anything. Right? My last business, student loans, and, you know, just let's keep it simple. <laughs> I keep going, well, there's way more, but it's way more complex than that. But I'll just always keep it simple for examples. <sighs> My last business, Helping People with Student Loan Debt, had many people steal it and help other people. Great! There's 44 million Americans with student loan debt. I can't help all of them. Not really. I mean, even if I was running the Department of Education, I probably couldn't help all of them. I don't know, maybe. But anyway, point is, 44 million people, I'm one person. Or one business, you know, with a hand, you know, a handful of employees. How am I going to help 44 million people? So, so, so what? Somebody takes it and steals my stuff and, and helps a couple thousand people? 10,000? Who cares? It's a drop in the bucket. But no, one can, no one can compete with you. No one's going to be you. No one's going to have your perceptions. No one's going to have your depth of care for people. This is why it's so important to let people in. When you're ready, when it's time, when your heart tells you to. You're as alone as you want to be. And if you're really trying to make a difference in the world, who cares if someone steals from you? That's scarcity. Scarcity would see 44 million people and think, oh, I got to protect my clientele. I got to protect my business. Like there's 44 million people that have this problem. That's abundant. There's an abundance of a, a problem. So to come from abundance, I'm not saying you have to open source stuff like I'm going to or did in my last business. I literally wrote all the secrets down in a book, 80% of them, because the book would have been like the size of the dictionary if I tried to write it all down. But I gave away almost all my secrets. I wrote it all down. Wrote it all in a book. Student loan debt secrets revealed. Hit Amazon. It's all there, for the most part. And of course, things change with time. But that's abundance. I'm not scared of people stealing from me. Because what's the worst that could happen? They help some people with it? Oh no. The problem gets solved. That's the most important thing. Just like this. The message gets out there. If someone, you know, that had a giant reach listened to my stuff and copied it, I'd be like, well, A, like you're never going to be able to... <laughs> raise people's perception if you're stealing it, but okay. You're, gonna, you're a false guru and that's going to come through. 
as soon as anybody asks you a question, but okay, let's steal it. Go ahead. You have some huge reach and you're copying everything I said. Isn't the message what's most important? What's super funny is you saw this happen with Rhonda Byrne. She stole the information from Abraham Hicks. All the secrets. She's the one who created the secret. She's, and she didn't give any credit to Abraham Hicks at all. And so the secret in Law of Attraction became super popular in the um, late 90s to early 2000s. I mean, it still is kind of pretty popular, but it became super popular. And she made a shitload of money. And from everything I've heard, she is very, very unhappy. I don't know her. I've never met her. I don't know her personally. But I've met some people who have worked with her and been around her after the success, and she is not in a good place, or wasn't then. I don't know her journey. I don't know her life. But when you steal stuff... And you pretend that it came through you. <clears throat> what do you think's going to happen? Well, by contrast, Abraham Hicks is fine. I mean, they're you know, multi-millionaire and all that stuff. But the message is what's most important. Now, of course, the problem with this is that when you steal a message and perpetrate it like it came from you, and people ask questions to try to understand it, and you stole it, you can't help them understand it. You can, only under, you can only help them understand it at the level that you do. But if you haven't mastered it, like Abraham Hicks is obviously a master of law of attraction, the perception that they have of law of attraction, I should say, is one of the highest ones. I've learned a lot from them. Esther and Jerry and Abraham Hicks. So we might have a different perception or a different way to say the same thing about law of attraction, the mere reality. But I know what's coming through is coming through my heart. And I give credit where credit is due. And when someone asks me questions, I can say from my perception, this is how I see it, this is how I use it. So why would you be afraid of someone stealing? Like, here, everything is unconditional love. You are unconditional love. It's what you come from. It's the highest frequency. It's the base energy. It's the foundation of all things. It is all things. Unconditional love is God. Take that message and run with it. Spread it as far and wide as you want. I don't care. Steal it. But be prepared to have to live that truth if you're going to spread it. So again, you're as alone as you want to be. And don't let your ego think, oh, i got to protect myself for my stuff. To the level that, you, that your heart tells you. Next thing that no one told me when I first started was the difference between a problem and a challenge. Ask yourself this question. What's the difference between a problem and a challenge? What's the difference between a problem and a challenge? You ready? 
The difference between a problem and a challenge is a problem exists in a hostile universe, while a challenge exists in an unconditionally loving universe. A problem would be to look at climate change and say that's a problem because we're all going to die a slow and painful, horrible death if we don't fix climate change. That's a problem because it has a threat of pain attached to it, of suffering, of harm. A problem harms people. A challenge in an unconditionally loving universe is the recognition that you cannot be harmed. Remember the only thing that's ever under threat is a perception. If you're afraid to die, you're afraid of your perception changing from physical reality to non-physical. The only thing that's ever under threat is a perception. The truth cannot be threatened by untruth. The light isn't threatened by the darkness because the darkness can only reveal the light. Unconditional love is not threatened by conditional love. It can only be revealed. Conditional love can only reveal unconditional love. It cannot threaten it. Because why? Because unconditional love will just love it. There's nothing you can do or say to stop you from being loved. By source, by the, the unconditional love that is all things. So a challenge, when it presents itself, it's like, oh, I'm unconditionally loved. I cannot be harmed or threatened. So this is something to help me evolve and grow. Where a problem is something that's going to hurt you, harm you, or even kill you, or this world or other people. I have a problem. I didn't get my paycheck, Larry, this week. That's not a problem. That's a challenge. If you didn't get it, obviously you have to figure that out with your HR or whatever. But my point is like, or here, let's say it like this. I have a problem. My, my paycheck was short. They took too much taxes or whatever. That's not a problem, that's a challenge, depending on how you perceive it. Is this a hostile universe that's trying to kill you? Or is it an unconditionally loving, supportive universe that's trying to evolve you? What if you're like, well, Larry, my soulmate or my parents or someone I love dearly has cancer or is dying? That's a problem. Is it? For who? Well, what, you don't think cancer that's definitely going to kill the body is a problem? Are you planning to keep the body forever? Is this supposed to last forever? This place, this physical reality, this illusion, is this supposed to last forever? Or did I miss something? Or are we all going to die? Are we all going to go home and wake up from this dream? Pretty sure that's the truth. 
all of us die and will die. All of us will wake up from this dream. So is it a problem? that the loved one is dying. Or is it a challenge for them to shift perception? And is it you or them that has the problem? That's another important distinction. Let's say your mom has cancer and is dying, like definitely given six months to live. And her body started already shut down, hypothetically. Is that her problem or your problem? Oh, it's both our problems, Larry. Oh, okay. So it's her problem that her body's shutting down? Did she want to live forever? Was that the goal? Or is it a challenge to shift her perception to start saying her goodbyes? Start being grateful for everything that she experienced. All the love that she is and has and is with her. And for you, is it your problem or your challenge that she's dying? Well, it's my problem because i got to take care of her. No, that's a challenge because it's not harming you. But the loss will break my heart, Larry. It's breaking my heart now. So what is a broken heart? A broken heart is a broken expectation. Did you expect them to live forever when my mom died suddenly when I was 33 and she was 68? What is it with the 33rd year? <clears throat> when my mom died light suddenly, it broke my heart in so many ways. But the main way was I wanted her to be around to help raise my children, to be a grandmother. And that expectation that she would was broken. The expectation that we would have more time together was broken. And a million other little expectations. And a million other little imagined realities that broke me down. Is it a problem or a challenge? Because if you are identified with the unconditionally loving, eternal part of you, everything is just a challenge. And yes, I know, trust me, how painful this place can be all too well. I know that there's pain. I know that there is suffering. I know you're in pain in some level and suffering in some way right now. And I am not belittling that. But as soon as you accept that this is the way it is right now, can start to learn what you need to learn and evolve. And yes, evolution is fucking painful sometimes. Not every time, but a lot of times it is. I mean, you could argue that the reason I took my own evolution into my own hands and started to get 
and went like nuts with all my spiritual work and self-development and just kept breaking down all these limiting beliefs and healing my traumas and finding the core wound and beating the ego and all that stuff. I was trying to get ahead of the painful uh, evolution because it felt like it felt like if I waited for the universe to evolve me, it would break me. It would it would be evolution would be painful if I got ahead of it and took it on myself. It wouldn't be as much of a bitch to keep relearning the same lessons over and over again. I thought if I got out ahead of it, it would be less painful. And to an extent, that's true. But it's always a challenge. Never a problem. Because it's not a hostile universe. And only when you believe that this place is hostile and is trying to kill you or that it wants you to suffer. The universe doesn't want you to suffer or at least not for very long. But it does have things to teach you that may make you suffer because of what your ego has brainwashed you with. like football you don't want you don't want anyone to suffer from the loss of the game like when you watch grown men cry at the end of the losing the Super Bowl you don't want those people to suffer but you also recognize it's just a game you're the one that made it so serious and put all your happiness and all your accomplishment, and I'm not, I'm, you know, you'll never be a Hall of Famer if you don't win the great one, and you got to do all this stuff, and take it all so seriously. I mean, if it's only suffering if you don't know how to process your negative emotions. And if you believe that the universe wants you to suffer. It doesn't want you to suffer. It wants you to be aligned with the truth. But being aligned with the lie causes the suffering. It's like you're wounded... And the only way to heal you is to rip open the wound, dig and clean all the, the, the you know, gunk out that would cause infection, your ego. Then sew you back up and then heal. All that is super painful. But all that is super necessary. No one taught me what, a, what was the difference between a problem and a challenge. But even just hearing the words now, I can't say this is the same with you, but like a problem is to be avoided. But a challenge is to be accepted. 
exciting to face challenge. If you're not attached to it. And that goes into the next thing no one taught me in the beginning. You cannot be attached to an outcome. You follow your highest excitement to the best of your ability with no insistent, insistent or attachment to outcome. This goes back to there's nothing at the top of the mountain. They dovetail, they're similar, they go with each other. If you're doing something because you're trying to get somewhere, that's the ends justifying the means. You want to create and do things because you love them in and of themselves. No insistence on outcome, no attachment to outcome. You do things because you love to do them. And that just breaks the ego apart. It, it, it throws it into a, um, it throws it into kind of like a lose-lose situation. Because the ego can't even grasp being present because it has no power. If you're in the present moment, the ego has no power over you. So it's constantly in the future. Constantly, the ego's constantly in the future, constantly pulling you into the future. Some imagined fantasy future place that's better than this one. And then as soon as you attach to it and it doesn't happen, heartbreak. But it's, a, it's very difficult for people to think about creating a business and not having an end goal of it being successful. Right? Who goes into business to just be? Not many people. Even myself, like I, I envision where I would like this to go, but I'm also not attached to it because... My imagination might not hold a candle to what Source has in store for me. Here's a good example. The first of the year, I, I, took, a, I took time off because my heart told me take time to relax at the end of last year, the end of 2021. I had a, it was at the end in, in November, it was really dark and I had a, a lot of pain and a lot of challenges. And I was just like, okay, we're just going to rest. I'm going to take a break from building, creating, doing anything. Besides the podcast. And writing, because I have to write. It's in my blood. Um, I just took a break from all that. Everything, building, anything like that. It was like, all right, on the first of the year, we'll get back to it. First of the year came, the clock said it was time. The clock said it was time. To like, okay, first of the year, let's get some stuff rolling. But my heart was like, nope, you're not going to do anything. You're going to wait. 
for months. Here we are mid-February. Barely starting now to get rolling on the spiritual entrepreneurship stuff. Your heart doesn't care what the clock says. It's not attached to an outcome. It's not doing things traditionally, right? The winding path, like I talked about a couple podcasts ago. It's not linear. It's not straight line. And the point of all that, of taking the break, was that if I was attached to an outcome and a time frame from which to get there, that would be really hard, which it was to not to wait. It broke me of this habit of like, who cares what the clock says? Who cares what date it is on the calendar? Are you excited to build this thing or not? And I wasn't, but I was going to force myself to because I felt like it was time. I was on my clock, not the universe's clock. Because I was starting to attach to an outcome. And every time I attach, source brings my house of cards tumbling down and slaps my hand away. Opens the hand. Do not grab. Do not attach. Don't be insistent on an outcome. But how do you do that when everything in society is insistent on a fucking outcome? You go to grade one to get to grade two, to get to grade three, to get to college or to get to high school, to get to college, to get a good job so that the member of the opposite sex will want to procreate with you, to have a family, to make your parents proud, then to grow old and die. Everything's leading to something. Everything's attached to an outcome. I'm looking right now at a bunch of people driving to work because they're attached to an outcome of some sort. Thirty years to retirement. Gonna put my kids through college so they can do better than I did. Trying to fix my mistakes through my kids. Everyone's trying to get somewhere. How do you start a business not trying to get anywhere? Try to go. Try to go get a loan from a, a business loan from a bank with no business plan on, on what you're gonna do. All business plans are bullshit anyway, but it's fun. It's fun to imagine and then get conservative with your numbers and blah, 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 and project. Every business plan I ever made was worthless within 90 days of creating it. Can you just accept that doing what you love is reward enough. And that you will never master anything. You will never master what you love if you're attached to a 401k early retirement getting rich I mean, maybe. It's rare. I've not seen it yet. I mean, I guess it could be out there in the infinite possibilities. 
If you put money ahead of what you love, how are you going to master what you love? What if you just set out to do what you love and master it? Would that be enough? And I'm talking about mastery as not in skill level, but in 10,000 hours. Could you do what you loved for 10,000 hours and then, and then see where you are and see if you still want to keep going or not? And that's what I have to shift myself. I'm working on that thing that no one ever told me now. Over these past two years. To constantly let go of the business plan. Let go of when you know, my mind slips into imagined future of me being a well-known public speaker and talking about spiritual money or whatever. Or unconditional love. across. Like let all that go. I don't know what's going to happen. I could only ever have a couple thousand clients. Only a couple hundred followers. That'd be fine. I'd be fine. I'm not going to die. I don't know what's going to happen. That's the beauty of it. Not knowing what's going to happen means there's infinite possibilities. Oh, if you don't plan to... If you, don't, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. <laughs> uh, what? How would you know you failed? How would you fail at doing what you loved? How could you? Only, only way you could fail is stopping. Fully, you know, not taking a break or rest or whatever. Like stop, stopping listening to your heart, basically. That's the only way you could really fail. And even that's not a failure. Because ultimately you'll get something out of it. Can you just look at what you want to do as saying, my love for this is enough. Me doing what I love is an act of self-love. Me trying to get somewhere is non-acceptance of the now and myself. That's creating from a fixed energy instead of an excited energy. How do you follow your highest excitement if you're insistent on, it, on its outcome? Being excited to create in and of itself is enough. It's its own reward because you have all that energy and all the excitement. and It's like it's built in. We've all been conditioned to not accept the way things are. Because we have been, we fell for the bullshit lie that if you're content, nothing will, in your life will change. And yet everyone's chasing contentment. Figure that one out. I can't be content because nothing in my life will change. Okay, well what would make you content? Alright, well, if I was, you know, rich and everybody was healthy and and I had a nice house on the beach, I'd be content. But you just said, you can't be content because nothing will change. Well, yeah, but when I get there, then I'll be content. Are you hearing yourself? 
So now your contentment is conditional upon getting the stuff. Your contentment is conditional on life changing. But you just said, if I'm content, nothing will change. So do you believe contentment is a finish line? Like once I get there, then I'll be content. But if you're doing something from non-contentment, from non-acceptance and trying to fix your life, how would you get to a place where you were all, all of a sudden content when the whole practice and pattern and the way of being that you've been is not accepting what is and trying to fix it. You think you're going to get to a place and not want to fix it? If that's all you've ever done? So fascinating, the ego game, isn't it? The lies we've been told, the lies that we live. You know, when I set out to be the financial shaman and help myself and people with vibrating into abundance, I thought, I thought that if I unravel enough of these beliefs and I, you know, beat my ego and all of this stuff, ego died I thought if I believed strong enough I you'd, you'd have the mirror would have to reflect back to me abundance and it did but I didn't see it I couldn't see it until it was time to see it the abundance that was revealed to me was enough I've always had enough. I always will have enough. That's abundance. Abundance is the ability to do what you need to do when you need to do it. What your heart is telling you to do when you need to do it. And you'll always have enough for that. And I thought... I was chasing abundances in millions and even billions. But enough is all you will ever need. And it's always, is already what you had. And all the chasing and the belief in scarcity, all it did was reveal the truth that was underneath. The darkness reveals the light. Untruth reveals the truth. Conditional love reveals unconditional love. And scarcity just simply reveals abundance. It just reveals that there's always enough. And so if you know in your bones, in your being, that there's always enough, the next logical question is, well, what do I want to do? What is my heart telling me to do? And... Would following my heart be enough for me? 
could waking up doing what I love every day just be enough? How else do you think you're going to enjoy the journey? You think chasing more stuff is going to make you enjoy the journey more? You think being a millionaire is going to enjoy the journey more? I can tell you from experience it won't. Sure, you have less worry about fucking buying Girl Scout cookies or whatever. But there's still plenty of worry to deal with. Because it just shifts. It just moves. The ego just moves the target. Now you need to be a decamillionaire, a billionaire, and a three comma club. Let's look at it like this. Why is doing what you love every day not enough? Why is doing what you love every day and having enough food and shelter and clothing, which you always do anyway. Why is doing what you love every day not enough for you? Why does it need to be more? If you answer that question, your whole life will change. Because remember, if you need more, you're automatically saying what you have is not enough. I need more time with the people I love. So you're saying you don't have enough time right now. I need more money. So you're saying you don't have enough money. I need more opportunities. So you're saying you don't have enough opportunities. When is it going to be enough? Newsflash. It's going to be enough when you decide it is. It's going to be a news. It's going to be enough when you realize you've already had it. But that would take acceptance of what is, wouldn't it? And your ego can't accept anything because that would mean you don't need it anymore. can't be content because that means I'll just be lazy and nothing will ever change wait isn't change a fundamental law of the universe pretty sure it's law five everything changes but the laws and you think being content is going to stop change huh interesting Well, these are some of the things no one told me that it took 20 fucking years to learn. Grateful for it, though. My life will never be the same with all these lessons. So lessons are a part of me. They're in me now. I hope something I've said has helped you. But I'm not attached to it if it hasn't. <laughs> Everything is my opinion anyway. 
you don't believe me, go out and make the same mistakes I did, or go out and learn from experience, I should say. There's no mistakes. And when you're ready to come home, let me know. You know where to find me. Because I'm just going to keep doing what I love, and this is it. So I'm not going anywhere. I am unconditional love that spreads to where it's not. And even though it is everything and everywhere, in this illusion, people believe that conditional love is the way of things. And so I must stay until my dying day and remind you and everyone that you are unconditionally loved at all times, no matter what, forever. It's only an illusion that's trying to reveal that truth to you. My unconditional love to you. Thank you for listening. Be well. Good journey, my friends.